Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Few Podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And today we are so excited to be joined by Dr. Scott Coe, who specializes in Down syndrome and boosting cognition for our kiddos. Can't wait to get to this conversation. Thank you for joining us, friends, and welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Hey. Okay, Micah, Mercedes. Hey, girls. Hi. 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 Um, we're talking today with a doctor who is an expert in many Down syndrome areas, but we're going to be talking a lot about cognition and the brain. And I remember when Mason, so Mason's going to be 12. Well, she's probably 12 by the time everyone listens to this. I think she'll be <laughs> almost 12. And I remember one of my husband, Josh's aunts, saying, I met this man with Down syndrome at a bar, which I loved. And <laughs> he was there with his dad and his, and he had so much language and he was, I'm using air quotes, high functioning. And he, I asked his dad about it. And his dad said that he took this intensive vitamin regimen and you need to get Mason on this vitamin regimen. Hmm. And then as it has gone for me, I, I felt in the beginning years with Mason that there were 1 million things I could be doing more of and better. And then it starts to feel overwhelming. So we actually started, um, I actually talk about this in my book. My second book is Go Make Some Room. We started researching a protocol and I'm not going to say where it came from, but it was like essentially take all of these medicines and, and one of them included, included Prozac and a couple other medicines that we were going to have to see a pediatric neurologist. So our pediatrician like looked through the protocol with us then followed up with this. We had this thing for a neurologist, a referral mm -hmm. and everything just felt in my gut. Like I, this isn't going to happen in our life. And it, and not that it won't work, but for me at the time, I, it wasn't the path I was headed down. And I also had this epiphany in my life of I, what I'm reading in this group and it was a Facebook group and online is people's motivation for doing this protocol is so that their child has less down syndrome, which isn't a thing, you know, like more like a typical right. child. And for me, and this is my own personal journey and conviction, I thought, wait a second, I'm actually very grateful Mason has down syndrome. I want her to be her best version of herself, mm -hmm. but I don't want to make her not have down syndrome. So mm -hmm. I didn't do it. <laughs> I also, it also felt overwhelming. And I sure. thought, Mason was very, very, very sick as a child. And I, we were at so many doctor's appointments and um, like literally fighting for her life those first couple of years. So yeah. to add to that felt overwhelming. Anyway, sure. that's my experience. Yeah. Uh, I think, I mean, there are so, you can f go down every rabbit hole, right? You can find every group that thinks you should eat one certain thing and take something else out of the diet or, um, give this plethora of supplements. And yeah, I feel like for following your gut and your <laughs> conviction feels like kind of the only way to go, right? Like there's, there's so many things that are not fully researched and you kind of have to just be as a parent, the 
know what's best for your kid right now and do what's best for your own mental health. And yeah, I feel like there's a few things that we have added into our regimen for ACE that have been, you know, based on things that a doctor has said or based on some research that I've done. But and we've talked about that a little bit on here, like after his autism diagnosis, that we have changed his diet some. And, but I, like one thing that I am, I'm never sure if this is really true or not, but I'm kind of terrified to give him Tylenol because once like three years ago, I read that it could lead to Alzheimer's. And so given the, I, that's something I want to ask the doctor about today, but I, I, I just, if I have the chance, if he has a fever, I give him ibuprofen just in case it leads to Alzheimer's. And I feel like there's a lot of little things like that, that you could know or not know, or maybe it's true or maybe it's not true. And, um, like another thing that I've learned, and some of this is like, I don't know if I've been reading this in, in my autism circles or in my down syndrome circles about B12, but I've totally upped the, the B12 supplement game for him for cognition. Mm -hmm. And so Mercedes, is there anything that you have read about or done in thinking about cognition for sunflower? Thinking of cognition. I don't know if I thought about it in cognition, but, but I think as her body as a whole, when she was a baby, we saw Dr. Sears. I've always been more holistic. Mm -hmm. Um, so we saw Dr. Sears and then we also went to holistic doctor for sunflower. Um, so like I was putting salmon capsules, like in her formula, yeah. um, age, like from infant, she eats salmon at least once a week. We do more of a eat for your blood type, which I also saw that helped her with her skin irritations and mm. actually lessened her mucus. Cause she used to have a runny nose all the time. Her little tongue was out all the time. So we do like chemical free products and then gluten and dairy free and no red meat for her. And it's worked. I used to be way more strict and then I have way more children. So now, <laughs> now I'm not as strict. So I feel like her supplement game is the one thing that like slowly tapered off. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I want to, I want to get her in some more supplements cause she is low in iron because she's not eating good, healthy, like greens and she doesn't eat red meat. So iron is a big one for her that when we do blood work for her, she's low in iron, she's anemic, blah, blah. Yeah. So yeah. that's something we want to do like kick up, but it's also harder as she's gotten older to give her medicine and to, or like supplements mm -hmm. to hide them, to crush them. It doesn't matter. I have to like really get creative and maybe she spits it all out still. Yeah. Yeah. So we just for, added, oh, I'm sorry. No. So for cognition wise, I feel like because of all that, like kind of early stuff, I've kind of been aware, but I never did like a strict regimen. I just mm -hmm. was like, okay, salmon, blueberries, avocado, what keeps the brain moist and alert. Ooh. And then vaccines. Some people would argue that that's what's so fun, you know, oh, losing the baby, um, but, <laughs> don't lose the baby. <laughs> the baby, the baby was in my arms and I let go out of excitement and he would have gone back. 
but I, we do a slow vaccine regimen for Sunny, and then maybe I haven't gotten her any vaccines in the last two years because I don't know what to do about it, and it scares me and all the things, and we homeschool, so nobody's pressuring me. It's all the things. So, doctor, what do you say? About I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I Heather, think, introduce yeah, our guest. I know. This is good timing. <laughs> Thankfully, listeners, you don't have to trust Mike and Mercedes or I. 100%. <laughs> I know nothing. <laughs> to all of these things. Everything you've heard, forget it. We're going to bring in a real pro. So we are so, so excited and honored to have Dr. Brian Scottco with us today. He is a medical geneticist the director of the Down Syndrome Program at Massachusetts General Hospital, graduate of Harvard Medical School and a board member of the Massachusetts Down Syndrome Congress. He's basically the most qualified person here, for sure. <laughs> basically. <laughs> basically. Um, he also has a sister with Down Syndrome, which is Yay. awesome. So we are so excited to have you here. Welcome, Dr. Brian Scottco, to the show. Thank you so much for having me. And I love what you're talking about because these are the questions, the honest questions that moms and dads and brothers and sisters and caregivers are asking. And I'm asked these questions all the time, not only as a physician, but also as a brother. And I want the same that parents want. And that is for our loved ones with Down syndrome to have meaningful, healthy lives. And I think the challenge for all of us is we're bombarded by information all over yeah. the place. What do we trust? What is credible? So thank you so much for having me on. I can't wait to tackle all these issues. Well, we are so excited that you are here. And we would love to start out just by hearing a little more about yourself and about the roles that you play as a medical professional in the Down syndrome community, and maybe a little bit about your sister too. Sure. I'm lucky enough to be the director of the Down syndrome program at Massachusetts General Hospital. And what that means is my team and I, a multidisciplinary team, we see about 500 to 600 patients with Down syndrome all year, and they range in age. And we kind of do the Down syndrome tune-up. So we're not doing primary care. Everyone has their own primary care doctor. But in one-stop shop visit, we kind of have all the different specialties come together to make sure the health and wellness of our patients with Down syndrome are maximized. So I really love working with an incredible cast and crew at my hospital to be able to provide that clinical care. I also direct the clinical research unit related to Down syndrome. So all of our clinical research and our clinical trials involving people with Down syndrome and for people with Down syndrome get to be a part of. And then like you mentioned, I am a brother. So this is a personal mission for me at the end of the day. My sister Kristen is turning 40 this summer and she is healthy and she's happy. But like everyone in my family, I wanna make sure she stays healthy and happy. So any kind of information that I'm gathering from my patients I'm also gathering from my sister as well. Dr. Brian, I'm so excited to talk to you because my oldest is Sunflower. She's a girl. And then I have three boys. So she's got all brothers. Mm -hmm. And I just always want to talk to another brother, to um, a sister with Down syndrome. And I wanted to ask you how she's influenced your career and if you could talk about your guys' relationship. So Kristen, my sister with Down syndrome, is to thank and blame for everything, I think, in my personal and professional <laughs> life. She really, from a young age, I just grew up in the Down syndrome movement. And as we all know, it is a movement. It's never ending. And you and so many others are moving this forward. I remember as a, a little boy sitting in my house and my parents were having all these people come over to talk about Down syndrome. And now in retrospect, I realized that was a support group that they were kind of forming mm -hmm. together before some of the national Down syndrome organizations were even birthed. 
Uh, so I got to grow up with that. I got to grow up meeting so many of Kristen's friends, both with and without Down syndrome, with and without disabilities. And so I was formed um, from those experiences. And I knew I wanted to go into medicine, but having a sister with Down syndrome, I realized, oh, you could specifically be a doctor for and with people with Down syndrome. So my fate was sealed when I realized that, and that took me to medical school and also to public policy school, because I'm really interested in the intersections of medicine, public policy, and research, and how we bring that together for people with Down syndrome. Okay, so I want you to answer all of our questions and misconceptions or truths that were stated. And maybe you can do that a little bit while you tell us. I want you to also talk to us about what you created, which is the Down syndrome brain train. So as you answer what that, like tell our listeners about more about the Brown, Down syndrome brain train, maybe you can also kind of pepper in some of the ideas that we talked about earlier. Sounds great. Let me just start with, I think everyone wants the best for their son and daughters with Down syndrome. That is just to be understood. But here's what's unfair. There's a disequilibrium of information that parents have access to. What that means is I, as a physician, I, as an academic, have automatic free enrollment, for my case, to Harvard Medical School. Well, I could access all of the research publications and all the journal publications that come out. But those are very expensive and you have to have access to an academic library. And most people out there, like my own parents, cannot access those journals without paying very high fees. So how do you get your information? You get it when it reaches the news. You get it when it reaches Facebook. You get it when it reaches Twitter, right? But only a small sliver of good academic studies reach the popular press. So I say there is a disequilibrium of information. We as physicians have access to more in-depth quality information than good intentioned parents. And when I'm on the road traveling and talking about Down syndrome or when I'm seeing patients in my own clinic, I'm asked lots of questions, but two of the most pressing questions that keep on coming up is how do we prevent Alzheimer's from occurring in our loved ones with Down syndrome? We know that 50% of people with Down syndrome around the age of 50 will develop signs of dementia related to Alzheimer's and 60% by the age of 60. So that's a real pressing concern I'm hearing from families who have kids of all ages. And then the second question I hear is, I don't wanna change the personality. I don't wanna change who my child is, but if there's a way I could potentially boost cognition to perhaps help them achieve more independent life skills, are there ways that I could do that, right? So. For three years, I've been wrestling with those questions because those are the most important questions, but really hard to answer. And I realized I myself as a medical professional needed to take a deep dive. So I went straight back to the academic books. I went to the journals. I combed through all the medical literature and I said, what is relevant? What can we do today? And I actually was surprised. There's lots that we could do hands-on right now as communities, as healthcare professionals, as families, in order to answer those two questions. And so that's where Brain Train was born. I decided to put it all together in a digestible format so that we all had access to what I think are kind of the best tips going forward. Will you tell us a little bit more about exactly what Brain Train is and how, how we can get our hands on it? Sure. <laughs> So what I would say is what Brain Train is not. So Brain Train is definitely not a how best do you educate people with Down syndrome? How do you teach people with Down syndrome math and English and learning and writing? There are other people out there who are experts at that. So Brain Train is not a how to educate. Brain Train is also not a 
a program or a presentation on supplements or nutraceuticals. I appreciated some of you talked about vitamin B12 and Tylenol, et cetera. There is just simply not sufficient good science out there to say whether or not supplements work or not, or whether or not there might be long-term side effects. I think the research is incomplete. So I'm not going to answer any questions about what's the best vitamin and how best to give it. But what Brain Train is, is in order to make my presentation, it must answer one of those two questions. Is there a strategy to improve cognition? And is there a strategy to prevent Alzheimer's in people with Down syndrome? But in order for it to make my test, the recommendations I'm proposing must pose no risk to people with Down syndrome. So unlike, for example, a new vitamin, we don't know vitamins in excess three years from now if there will be adverse or riskful side effects. So I want to make sure anything I'm proposing has no risk to it. I also want to make sure that it's supported by quality science. So every recommendation I'm giving, I'm going to show you those research studies that I found in the medical stacks in order to show that this might be supported. And then it can't just be research on mice that has no applications to humans. So I want to make sure that the research is practical, things that we can implement right now, but also adaptable because we know that people with Down syndrome have different learning profiles and different habits. And I want to make sure that things are digestible. So I put all this together on a new webpage um, called DownSyndromeBrainTrain.com. And people could go there to learn all about my educational program, which I break down these steps into. That's very exciting. What are some of the strengths our kiddos with Down syndrome have? You know, the strengths are endless. And I have to say, we can never stop believing in the potential of people with Down syndrome. And I'm a firm believer the best is yet to come. Why? Not because that chromosome has changed over time, because we as humanity are getting better. Yes. When we open our classrooms, when we open our societies, when we open our hearts, people with Down syndrome never stop impressing us. So the best is yet to come. I want to make sure that people with Down syndrome stay as healthy and well as possible. So my brain train program I put it into an acronym in terms of what are the steps that we could do to go forward. And there is science about, I'm going to call them smart actions, S-M-A-R-T. People with Down syndrome need to S, socialize more, M, move more, A, activate their brain, R, reducing sugar and eating well, and T, treating medical issues. Each one of those segments, I think, have practical things we could do right now today in order to be able to potentially boost cognition and prevent Alzheimer's in our loved ones. Are there any, any tips you can give right now to our listeners, like a little thing that we can do today to help our child with Down syndrome and brain health? Sure. So let's go to uh, the S-M-A-R-T. Let's talk to the move, the, the kind of movement. So there's lots of research studies that have been shown that exercise really does help the brain clean up plaques. So we know that Alzheimer's is caused when you have these plaques that kind of gook up in the brain. And the reason why we believe that partially happens is because glial cells, a type of neuron whose job it is to clean up the junk in our brain, starts to get tired as we get older and starts to not work as much. So the question is, how do you activate those glial cells? How do you say, wake up already and clean up that junk in your brain? We've noticed through a lot of good research that exercise, and I review these actual studies in my program, exercise wakes up these glial cells even when you're of old age, and it's a way of cleaning up plaques. Most people with Down syndrome, if we're to be honest with each other, are not getting the daily amount of activity and cardiovascular exercise they can and do deserve. I want to say that I'm a big fan of Special Olympics, and I'm so glad it is in my sister's life. 
but a lot of Special Olympics is socializing. So when I go to my sister's basketball game, she's high-fiving everyone and having a great time, <laughs> but she is not working up her heart rate. There is no sweating going on, right? So if we are going to be honest with ourselves, some of those exercises are not real exercises. So one of the things that I challenge families to do is to record the amount of cardiovascular exercise that their son or daughter is doing. I also review some of the gadgets and wearables that you could do in order to make it fun and easy to track this. And then we need to improve how much people with Down syndrome really do exercise. And I kind of give a structured way of kind of getting up to that level so we can activate those glial cells to clean up the plaques, not only in their brains, but all of our brains who are participating as well. How much time a day should our kids be moving that in that way? So for that, I like to go to the American Heart Association, who gives guidelines for all of us and particularly for children and adults. So children between the ages of six and seven should be getting at least 60 minutes per day of moderate to vigorous, intense physical activity. And we could describe what that is. And in terms of adults, both with and without Down syndrome, they need to get at least 150 minutes per week of modern intense activities or 75 minutes of vigorous. Now, what is that? Moderate activity is you gotta really be walking it. You gotta do water aerobics, you're bicycling, you're shooting baskets, you're really moving. Vigorous is running, swimming laps. Zumba is a great vigorous activity, hiking uphill, fast moving soccer games. But most things like walking and strolling is not gonna reach that level of intensity. And so we really do wanna be honest with ourselves. What can we do right now? And, this is a, a call out to lots of parents who are searching for a supplement or a pill to take that doesn't have good science. We have solid science about mm. the benefits of exercise. Mm. But if we're to be honest with ourselves, that is not being implemented in most households. So it's going back to some of the basics and trying mm -hmm. to get them into the groove and the routine. I'm so proud of some of my patients with Down syndrome. Once they get it into that groove and routine, they got it. But it's how do we enter into that and make exercise as one part of the program into their daily lives. That's I so good. That. Yeah. It is so good. I found that I think Sunny's actually doing a great job, but I'm concerned for myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm concerned for myself in this. You know what my mother said to me when she did my own smart, uh, my brain train program, she says, not only is this for Kristen, it's for me too. So I have my whole family <laughs> and I have to say every recommendation that is in there, not only am I trying to live that, some are harder than others, but my wife is trying to live that as well. One of, I think, the hardest recommendations that I put in there is cutting the electronic cord. You know, we're mm, so yeah. bombarded by screen time and we're bombarded by electronics and TV. We know that people with Down syndrome, we need to A, activate their brain. And we know when you're just watching something on TV, it's a very passive learning experience right. versus I'm gonna give lots of tips on different quick things that you could do in the kitchen, in the car, while you're waiting, little tricks that cost no money to play brain games with your son and daughters awesome. with Down syndrome. But the TV is really a sap of brain, brain activity. So my wife and I got rid of all of the TVs in our house with the exception of one that's in a special room that we have to go to and watch. And it's one of the hardest recommendations, but when families do it, after the first two weeks of families going crazy that they don't have TV, they realize you have to turn to other stuff to talk about and to have good brain activity. So there are some hard recommendations, but I really do try to live what I practice. Oh, can I want to ask a question? If you can touch on it, you might not want to, and that's fine. But your opinion on gluten, dairy, and then talk about sugar. I think everyone can agree why sugar is not good, but I know that 
within the Down syndrome community, there's lots of different opinions on cutting out gluten, cutting out dairy for our kids with Down syndrome who don't have celiac or don't have a dairy, what's the word? Intolerance. Intolerance, yeah. thank you, yeah. I'm so glad you bring it up because the R in my SMART program is reducing sugar and eating well. We need to eat well and reducing sugar is important. Let me just say a word about sugar. People always know, oh yeah, sugar is bad and we want to limit the sugar intake. But how many grams of sugar should your son or daughter be getting? And how much are they eating every day? When I did an analysis of my own life, I'm thinking, oh, I'm eating this grass-fed, wonderful yogurt that I got from Whole Foods. And then I realize it's packed with added grams of sugar. This sugar is hiding there. And what does sugar do to our brain? When sugar is in our body, insulin needs to come in and insulin needs to say, oh, there's a surge of sugar. Let me start to break down that sugar. That's what insulin's supposed to be doing. But we've learned from good science, insulin could also do something else. Insulin can actually clean up the plaques in our brain, just like those glial cells. Mm. But if insulin's job is being diverted on sugar, it doesn't have time to clean up the plaques in our brain. So the less sugar we eat, the more time insulin has to actually have that benefit of cleaning up the junk that's accumulating in our brain. So I do talk about what are the sugars and how we kind of break them down. But eating well is really important. We know that a gluten-free diet is really important for people with Down syndrome who have bona fide celiac disease. Mm -hmm. We know that a gluten-free diet is really important for people with Down syndrome who do have a bona fide gluten intolerance, and they can and should get testing from their doctor. But 95% of people with Down syndrome do not fall into that category. And we don't have any research to show for those who don't have celiac or gluten intolerance that going on more of a restrictive food diet really does have a benefit on their cognition or Alzheimer's right now. But I can say going on a low sugar diet, there's a lot of support for that. And I try to represent that in my program. What about dairy? So people with Down syndrome who have celiac could also be at an increased chance of being lactose or having lactose intolerance. Or people with Down syndrome, like any of us, could have lactose intolerance. If that's the case, certainly dairy could be very upsetting to the stomach. And if it's upsetting to the stomach, you're not going to feel good and you're going to have less likely to behave and pay attention. But the majority of people with Down syndrome do not have a casein allergy or do not have lactose intolerance. And in those cases, um, going off of dairy right now, the science doesn't show that it has any proven benefit. Okay. I wanted to ask you, so you've mentioned Alzheimer's and, um, and the connection between brain cognition and developing Alzheimer's later in life. Is, is there a separate part of the program that that is just for preventing Alzheimer's or is the whole thing together? Like if you follow this program, you are both improving cognition right now and building your child's brain for the future. Such a great question. And throughout my program, I kind of interweave those together because lots of the recommendations are not only good for good brain health, but also good for preventing Alzheimer's disease. But at certain points throughout the program, I do call out, okay, this is something that more science is showing this relates to Alzheimer's and might not show there's improvement for cognition right now. So I try to be straightforward so parents know what works. And then I also remind parents, you don't have to do everything I say. If you only get one or two recommendations that you want to adopt that work well for your family, I'm grateful for it. So um, take what works for your family. I believe in all of them, but take what works for your family. And can I ask about that, the thing I heard about Tylenol? Is, have, you, have you heard that rumor? Is that based on any kind of research or is that just a thing out there on the internet? Yes, there is some research that has been done in a few mouse models, but it hasn't been widely replicated. And we know that mice are not humans, 
um, and a lot more human research needs to be done. So as a doctor, I never recommend that we take medicines just for the sake of taking medicines or overdoing on medicines. But if we do need medicines, they're important. And Tylenol is safe for children and adults with Down syndrome. And if they need it um, and there's a fever, far better to treat it than not to treat it. But you also mentioned that ibuprofen is something that you give your child and ibuprofen in the right dosage is safe as well. So for parents who have a particular concern, I'm happy to prescribe ibuprofen. The goal is your child shouldn't need to suffer from fever and there are safe ways to bring it down. That's great. <laughs> I don't even know if I should ask again. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, that means you're gonna ask it. <laughs> I know. I'm ready. <laughs> But maybe, well, I feel like, so you're a physician and what's your take? And I feel like it's COVID time right now. I don't know. What's your take on vaccines? What do you tell your families? And you don't have to answer. You could do whatever you want. There it is. I'm glad you asked it because I'm asked this over and over again by families who come to us. Let's talk about the immune system and people with Down syndrome. So most people with Down syndrome, their immune system is slightly depressed which means they might be a little bit more prone to respiratory infections and other infections throughout their lifetime. But the overwhelming majority of people with Down syndrome are not immunocompromised, meaning their immune systems are not so low that they need to have an immune specialist or get special immune therapy. Now, there are some differences. There are some people with Down syndrome who do develop cancers and need bone marrow transplant or on chemo. That's a different story. But for 99% of people with Down syndrome, they're not immunocompromised. With that, their immune system can and do respond to vaccines. Okay. And I wanna make sure that people with Down syndrome are prevented from getting the illnesses that everyone else gets. And if they do get one of these viral illnesses, they sometimes are hit harder and longer than their neurotypical counterpart. And the best way to prevent those is with vaccines. Okay. So vaccines are safe for the general population and they are safe for people with Down syndrome. I do encourage all of my families and all of my patients to um, uh, get the vaccines. And of course, if families have any concerns, be open and honest with your physician and discuss those concerns, mm -hmm. be it from a religious viewpoint or what's in the vaccines, because a lot of research has been done and I would like to engage in those honest conversations with families so that they, make the, they have the best information to make the best decisions for their children. Right, love that. That's good. That was good. All right, we're gonna wrap it up here, Brian. Is there anything that, we've missed that you really want our listeners to hear? Well, uh, thank you. The Down Syndrome Brain Training Program, like I mentioned, you could go to my website, downsyndromebraintrain.com. When you go there and sign up, you're gonna learn all about my program. And I put together three free videos so that everyone can have access to some of my tips in the SMART program. And then two times a year in March and in October, I release the more expansive version of Brain Train. So that's the in-depth bootcamp where people could go on and sign up for a small fee to have access to all of the materials. And my team and I are continuing to work to produce more materials through that website. So the money that comes through for Brain Train, we reinvest back into the program to make sure that people stay up to date on that. So again, downcenterbraintrain.com to get your three videos. And during those two months, I'll let all of my uh, people who sign up know about the other materials that I make available to families. Very good. Well, thank you so much, Brian, for taking the time to talk to us. I'm sorry, Dr. Scott Co. We will keep it professional here. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. And friends, all of the information here 
will be in our show notes on our website, theluckyfewpodcast.com. So make sure that you go and check that out. Thank you again so much, Dr. Scott Coe, for joining us, for the work that you're doing in the Down Center community, for how much you love your sister and all of our kiddos. It, it means so much to us in our community. And as always, friends, we want to hear from you. So if you'd like to call and leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 424-442-9147. Share about your family, your good news about your loved one with Down syndrome. And hey, friends, if you have a product or a business that wants to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, we would love to partner with you. You can email us at hello at theluckyfewpodcast.com for sponsorship opportunities. And don't forget to head over to our Patreon page and sign up to be a patron. And you're going to get some behind the scenes footage. You're going to get some messages from Mercedes, Mike, and me. You're going to get some video of these amazing interviews that we get to do and some other perks. So head over to theluckyfewpodcast.com and find the button for Patreon and sign up. And as always, a huge thank you to our editor and our producer, Andy Lara, our co-producer, Val Schleter, all of you who have shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends who have listened faithfully and cheered us on, don't forget to head over and subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember that you, dear listeners, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a shouter of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We are here cheering for you. Until next time when we are together, we'll see you later. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Lucky Few Podcasts. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time.